Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to Gunsmoke and Frontier Gentlemen. This Gunsmoke is from February 28, 1953, and there's a lot I want to get to on this particular Gunsmoke. Now, uh, this Gunsmoke episode is entitled Trojan War, and I think it's self-explanatory once you get into the episode, you'll understand what Trojan War means that's really related to this episode in particular. Now, there's a couple things that I want wanted to get to. I want the, uh, um, let's see here. <laughs> wow. Uh, Les Crustfield, who wrote the script for Trojan War on this episode, for those of you that don't know, this is still early on in Les Crustfield's career, at least for writing Gunsmoke. And Les Crutchfield had a great way of picking up on personalities and how to develop them and caught on quickly to the characterizations of Gunsmoke. Let me tell you a little bit about Les Crutchfield. He was, of all things, was an explosives expert and a mining foreman before he turned to writing. After he finished his first Gunsmoke script in which he submitted, he caught the attentions of the producers of the Gunsmoke show, and he wrote a lot of Gunsmokes along with John Meston. And he also wrote uh, a CBS radio program called Romance and Port Laramie. He also wrote Suspense and Escape in his writing career went from 1946 to 1960, at least in radio. He also did movies, and he did a Kirk Douglas movie called The Man from Gun Hill, and he also did Tarzan's Great Adventure with the very beefy Gordon Scott playing the lead. So, you know, there's nothing but talent oozing out of this writing staff of Gunsmoke. Now, there's something else I wanted to get to, which I think that has been bothering me. I've had this little thing niggling in the back of my mind about the restaurant that's on Gunsmoke called Delmonico's. It might be familiar to you if you're from New York City. If you're from New York City, you probably know exactly where Delmonico's is. Delmonico's was founded in New York City in 1837. That's a long time ago by two Italian immigrants. At one time, Delmonico's had 14 different locations in the city and still thrives today in the very same location. In fact, you may have seen Delmonico's in a movie situated in New York City. 
Matt Dillon recognizes three people in the restaurant known as Delmonico's. He recognizes them from about four years previously. Take a listen to this and enjoy the episode. Hi, it's a cold morning, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I'm ready for spring, Chester. The tail end of winter always gets on my nerves. Well, it shouldn't be long now. The worst of it's bound to be over. Well, I hope so. Yeah, let's try Delmonico's here. I'm always ready to eat, Mr. Dillon. Morning, Matt. Chester. Oh, Morning. how are you, Kitty? Well, how about joining me, huh? Well, thank you. Pull up a chair, Chester. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're up early this morning, Matt. Usually you don't even start breathing till noon. It's too cold to sleep, Kitty. A jail stove always burns itself out about 5 o'clock in the morning. From then on, you just have to... Well, what is it, Matt? Chester, that second table from the window over there. Hmm? Those three men there, you know them? I'm sure I don't think you do. Oh, I do. Ran into him about four years ago out in Arizona Territory. Hey, everyone. This is OTR Rob, and welcome to Frontier Gentlemen. This Frontier Gentleman is from March 2nd, 1958. Now, we have a discrepancy here between Gunsmoke and Frontier Gentlemen. It's not going to work out <laughs> simply because... Uh, in 1958, that was a leap year, so there was an actual extra day added on to the year, which doesn't make the 1953 version of Gunsmoke and the 1958 version of Frontier Gentlemen work out equally. So this is a March 2nd episode, and on the episode is Joseph Kearns, and this is his last role on radio before turning his attention to television, and he would do a lot of guest appearances on different shows. But by 1959... Joseph Kearns would play Mr. Wilson in the Dennis the Menace TV series. And, you know, I was, I was thinking back, you know, us kids really thought that Mr. Wilson was really the meanest man in the world. But it turned out, after going back and seeing some of those episodes, we were dead wrong. Mr. Wilson was really a very nice man. He just had an obnoxious kid on his hands, is basically what it is. And this episode of Frontier Gentlemen, by the way, is stars Joseph Kearns, and the episode's entitled Lost Mine. If there was ever an Oscar version for radio, I think Joseph Kearns would have won it, hands down, for his portrayal of Shorthorn Tom in this episode of The Frontier Gentleman, because he belts this out of the park. He gives you so much to work with, you can just about see the man you're listening to. And I also have to give kudos to Anthony Ellis for this script, because in one or two sentences, he totally describes exactly what Shorthorn Tom is. And Joseph Kearns was probably the only member of CBS's Radio Row, of the Hollywood version of Radio Row, that went back and forth between serious roles and comedy roles. No one else on CBS's Radio Row from Hollywood could do that, but Joseph Kearns could. And this episode demonstrates that he could do comedy when he wanted to. So enjoy this episode of 
The Lost Mine and Frontier Gentleman from March 2nd, 1958. And here is why I think Joseph Kearns should have won the version of an Oscar for his performance in this. And enjoy the show. It wasn't hard to find Shorthorn Tom's place. I could have discovered it on a foggy London night by the smell alone. A ramshackle leaned to a fair and had the odor best described as rotting fermented cabbage, which a moment later I found emanated from the gentleman himself. The old prospector was the most unwashed individual I've ever come across in my life. Bleary-eyed, he greeted me at the sacking that passed for a door. Um, uh, Shorthorn Tom? I wonder if I could have a few words with you. What's the matter, boy? You got the heaves? No, I, I don't believe so. <laughs> Sound like it. Got me a mess of poops doing. Well, I'm writing about the territory for a newspaper, Tom. I thought possibly you might be able to give me some information. Uh, information? What kind of information? Oh, the life of a miner, for example. Your life. <laughs> no, no, I'm quite serious. I want some poops. Is that what you're cooking? Yeah, tomato, sugar, and bread. Lost my teeth a couple of weeks back. Can't eat nothing but. No, I, I don't think so. Thanks very much. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Hi, it's a cold morning, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. I'm ready for spring, Chester. The tail end of winter always gets on my nerves. Well, it shouldn't be long now. The worst of it's bound to be over. Well, I hope so. Here, let's try Delmonico's here. Huh? I'm always ready to eat, Mr. Dillon. Morning, Matt. Chester. Oh, Morning. hi, you kitty. Well, how about joining me, huh? Well, thank you. Pull up a chair, Chester. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're up early this morning, Matt. Usually you don't even start breathing till noon. It's too cold to sleep, Kitty. That jail stove always burns itself out about five o'clock in the morning. From then on, you just have to... Well, what is it, Matt? Chester, that second table from the window over there. Hmm? Those three men there, do you know them? No, sir, I don't think I do. Well, I do. Ran into them about four years ago out in Arizona Territory. That's the Pueblo gang. Never heard of them coming this far east before. Well. You want some help, Mr. No, just sit tight, Chester. Ma'am? Uh, order me some sausage and buckwheat cakes, Kitty, will you? I'll be right back. 
Chinatown. I don't like it at all. Let's go ahead. Morning, boys. It's the Parks Brothers, isn't it? Ed and Rio and Chuck Evans. Well, what about it? Easy, Rio. It's Dylan, the U.S. Marshal, the one I told you about. Yeah, I bet you did. What'd you tell him, Chuck? Look, Dylan, our food's getting cold. You got something on your mind or not? Nothing important, Rio. I figure it's quite an honor to have the Pueblo gang in town. I just thought I'd drop over and tell you how I felt about it. And uh, how do you feel? Well, that depends, Ed. Are you boys here on business or pleasure? Does it uh, make a difference, Yeah, Marshall? yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference. I know your reputation west of here. Half the stage holdups in the last five years from Colorado to the California border can be laid right at your door. As far as I know, you're clean in Dodge City so far. Nah, All right, you just we... keep it that way. You make one move here and your time's up. Right then, you're short and I'll take you, all three of you. You understand? Sure, we understand. We'll think it over, Dylan, let you know what we decided to Rio, do Rio, you talk too much. Now, see you around, boys. You can put the gun away now, Chester. All right. I was just going to be ready in case. Uh, Matt, I thought I'd tell you. Those boys are mean. They were in the Texas Trail last night. They're just downright mean. Yeah, I know. What do we do, Mr. Dillon? Run them out of town? Not unless they give us some reason to, Chester. Yes, sir. The law doesn't say you can hang a man because he might steal a horse. Yeah, forget it. Let's eat, huh? train's just about ready to pull out, looks like. Yeah, it's on time. It's three o'clock. Be in St. Louis tomorrow night and Chicago the next day. If the engine holds up. <laughs> oh, they don't break down so much anymore. They're getting them worked out so they're pretty dependable. Yeah, I guess so. You ever get a hankering to take a trip back east, Mr. Dillon, just to see how things has changed? Uh, not me, Chester. I've been on the frontier too long. I'd be lost back there. I wouldn't know how to act. I... I guess man could get his rope kinked over which fork to use or what to hey, do Matt. with it. What? Oh, hi, Will. <laughs> you down watching your competition pull out? There'll be a stagecoach running for a long time to come yet. Railroad's not bothering me any. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Something else is, though. No? Matt, the stage from Buckeye is more than two hours overdue. I'm getting a little worried. Well, why, it's usually late, isn't it? Not on this particular day of the month. What's today particular? Gold dust. Oh. This is the day those placer mines out there always ship their cleanup. Charlie's never missed getting it here at 3 o'clock on time for the eastbound Santa Fe. Not once. Who's riding shotgun, Will? Houston Jack. Well, he's a good man. I doubt if there's any cause to worry. That shipment runs eighty or $100,000 sometimes, Matt. Never been laid before. Oh, Charlie will probably roll in any minute now. Uh, we'll see you later, Will. So long. What do you think, Mr. Dillon? Same as you do, Chester. Let's ride up and meet that stage. Hi, 
I still think I heard a horse went in, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I thought I heard it, too. We must be an hour and a half from town the way the stage runs. It sure is late, all right. I hope late is all it is, Chester. I hope it's not... There. There, there it is again, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, it came from that draw over there, somewhere on that sumac thicket. Come on. Come on. Look, Mr. Dillon. Wheel tracks leading off the trail. Yeah. Run into the dead gallop and out of control. It's like... Ah, oh. Well, Chester, there's the stage. I don't see any sign of life, Mr. Dillon. Oh. Let's take a look. There's tracks all around. Must have been three or four horses here. Uh, three, the way I'm figuring it. I'll lay any odds you want if this is some of the... That's Houston Jack, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Shot in the back of the head. Now, they didn't take any chances. They must have ridden up behind the stage and fired without any warning. That's probably what spooked the horses and started to run away. Yeah, they shot the lead horse. It's an old trick. Charlie's still up here on the box. They got him, too. Uh, that strong box has been forced open. It's empty. All right, Chester, let's cut these horses loose and get them out of the traces, huh? All right, sir. Come on now, boy. It's the same way they used to work it out west. Shoot the guard in the back and let the team run until they're far enough off the trail and then kill the lead horse to stop them. You mean that Pueblo gang? Yeah, who else? Oh! That's a good thing there weren't any passengers. They'd have got the same treatment. All right, there you go, boy. I think there were some passengers, Mr. Dillon. One, at least. What? There's a couple of trunks tied on top. And a carpet bag of some kind inside the stage. Here, let's have a look. Well, the only bodies are the guards and the drivers. Say, maybe one of the gang was riding as a passenger. They wouldn't leave trunks behind it. What is it? There's stuff in the carpet bag. Belongs to a woman. There's no woman here? Yeah, I know. Well, then they must have taken her. Yeah. And it's almost dark. Come on, Chester, let's try to pick up their trail. And it's just no use going any farther, Mr. Dillon. It's too dark to tell what we're doing. Well, they were heading toward the river here. Let's take a look through these willows, and if we don't find anything, then we'll ride on back to town. All right, sir. I still keep getting a faint whiff of wood smoke from somewhere. I sure wish we would find the fire. It's getting colder in the heat. Wait a minute. Uh, look over there. Well, I'll swear. It's fire, all right. Or what's left of one, Mr. Dillon. Uh, you suppose you're still there? I don't there? know. 
Let's leave the horses here and go up on foot, huh? All right, sir. Well, there's nothing moving. No signs of life. They couldn't have left too long ago. That fire would have burned itself out. Well... I'd say we're too late, Mr. Dillon. I think they've gone. Yeah, it looks that way, all right. Yeah, a half hour or an hour ago. Made a fast camp, stayed long enough to warm up, and then they went... What was that? I don't know. They're over here, Chester. There's somebody lying on the ground. Help me. Help me, please. Yeah. Throw some brush on the fire, Chester. Yes, sir. No, it's all right, miss. It is all right now. Three of them robbed the stage, killed the driver and the guard, brought me with them. Anything I can do, Mr. Dillon? No, Chester, I'm afraid not. For the love of it. Chester, get some light over here. Grab one of those branches that's caught fire. Now, Mr. Dillon, just a second. Easy now, ma'am. Just easy now. It's going to be all right. I pleaded with them, begged them to, to let me go. Here. This help, any? Yeah, hold it over here. Mm. Helen. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't let me go. Helen Ford. And when they left, they drew their guns and shot me. Easy now. They shot me. You know who they were? Helen? Helen, can you hear me? One. One named Rio. One called Chuck. They sat on their horses, shot me. Then they laughed. She's in awful bad shape, Mr. Dillon. We ought to get her to dock. Shot me and laughed. But it didn't matter. Not that. It's too late now. Yeah, it's, it's too late. I'll carry her back to Dodge. Get me your saddle blanket, will you, Chester? You knew her, Mr. Dillon? A long time ago. Then things happen the way they do. Later, she married Bill Ford and went out to Colorado. A long time ago. I didn't expect I'd ever see her again. It's a bad thing, Mr. Nellon. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to see him hang for it. We will return... We will 
return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, everybody's got a heart. That's a plenty solid reason for everybody to support with generous contributions the annual fund drive of the heart campaign. Don't forget, what your money pays for is aimed at making the sick well and keeping the well from getting sick. Support the heart campaign again this year. Now for the second act of Gunsmoke. Over here, Chester, we'll check the livery stable first. Yes, they could have pulled out, of course, but I'll lay odds they came straight back into town. You won't take long to find out. Well, let's go in. Who's there? Who is it? Matt Dillon, is that you, Mr. Kelvin? Oh, yeah, sure is, Marshal. Hey, let me get a lantern lit. I'm just fixing to lock up the stable and go over and grab myself a bite to eat. Running things alone again tonight. The confounded boy didn't show up. I'd like he's not drunk and soon. There. Now, come on, Marshal. I've got a fire going back in the office. Come on back. Set us. Uh, I'd like to, Calvin, but we don't have time. I'm looking for some horses. Well, I got him, Marshal. You want to buy, trade, or hire? Uh, just look. Yeah. There are three fellas staying over at the Dodge House. They've been there about a week. Ed and Rio Parks and Chuck Evans. They're keeping their horses here. Here they are, right back here. And if I ever saw a ruination of good horse flesh, this is it. There. Take a look there. That one belongs to the oldest Parks boy, Ed, and the one next to it's Rio's. They've been road, Mr. Dillon. They've been road plenty. Yeah. What time did they come in, Kelvin? Oh, about an hour ago, more or less. Gone since forenoon, just come back a little while ago. Look at that horse. Been rubbed down twice. He's still wet. They didn't say where they'd been, did they? No, not them. They ain't the talking kind. Just left their horses and went on over to the hotel. Well, wherever they was, though, they must have been riding like the devil himself was chasing them. Well, maybe he was. Uh, thanks, Mr. Keller. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess there's not much doubt of it, Chester. No, sir. It was them, all right. And I could have stopped it before it happened. A man shouldn't be jailed on suspicion, I figured, just because he might do something wrong. Well, my. Everybody has to play it the way he sees it. Only sometimes you can see it a lot plainer afterward. What are we going to do? Go get him, that's all. Well, where do we start looking? The Texas Trail. Oh, I one thing, Chester, before we go in. Now, you leave the play on this to me, huh? Just keep me covered, that's all. Mr. Dillon, what was her name before she was married? Marlowe. Helen Marlowe. All right, come on, let's go. <laughs> Well, it was a real dull evening up until now. How are you, Master Chester? Hi, Miss Kitty. Kitty. Uh, I'm looking for the Pueblo gang. Have any of them been in here? 
Why, yeah. One of them's here now. Rio Parks. He's over there at the faro table. Oh? Well, what's wrong, Matt? What happened? They held up the Buckeye stage. Killed Charlie and Houston Jack. And a passenger. A woman. Helen Ford. Ah. All right, Chester. Be careful, Matt. Yeah, sure, Kitty. Just cover me, Chester. That's all. Yes, you... Says I've got the car. There's too much of me. Are you going to cover me or not? What's the matter? You all a bunch of bikers? Hmm? Maybe they haven't been out robbing stagecoaches, Rio. What do you mean by that? Maybe they don't make their living by killing women. Dylan, a man could get in trouble shooting off his mouth that way. You're already in trouble. All right, boys. Rio's checking in his hand. The game's over. You can slide out at the end of the table over there. You're under arrest for murder, Rio. I don't know what you're talking about, Dylan. Murder. A murder that you're going to hang for. Now, where are the other two? Go find them if you want them. I'm going to as soon as I finish with you. I said you're under arrest, Rio, and I get your hands up. Supposing I don't, Dylan. You're not going to make any play. You don't have the guts. Shooting a man in the back is more your line, Rio. You're killing a woman. Now get your hands up. That's better. All right, Chester, get his gun. Seems like it's getting colder, Mr. Dillon. Clear as a bell, though. Look at that moon. Where do you suppose they are? You've been in nearly every saloon on Front Street. I don't know, Chester, but wherever they are, we're going to find them. And you know something, Mr. Dillon? When we do arrest the other two, they're as good as hung with the evidence we got on them. I haven't arrested them yet. Maybe them other two won't be taken as easy as Rio. That's up to them. If they want to surrender, they can. I've never shot a man with his hands up. Chester. Huh? Ben's barbershop over there. The man that he's shaving. It's kind of hard to tell with all that lather on No, it's Ed Parks. Come on. And there's just him and Ben in the shop. I wonder where Chuck Evans is. We'll worry about him later. Just help yourselves to a seat, gentlemen. Be ready for you just to see... Uh, oh, evening, Marshal. How you been? I didn't know you were in the habit of shaving outlaws. Uh, well, maybe you're mistaken, Marshal. You just have a seat there and No, I'm... I recognize him, all right. It's Ed Parks. Uh, well, looks like you got the advantage of me, Dylan. No, we can't have that, Ed. Wipe the leather off his face, Ben. Yes, sir. Sure thing, Marshal. Uh, just a second now, Mr. Parks. There. There you are. It's too bad you have to leave that shave half finished, Ed. But they'll give you a free one just before they hang you. What are you talking about, Dylan? Uh, now, gentlemen... Ed, you're under arrest for murder. Get your hands up. Your brother's waiting for you at the jail. You arrested real? What about the hands, Ed? Are you going to put them up? No, dirty kid! <laughs> 
That was a fast move for a barber, Ben. I, I knew he had a gun under the towel, Marshal, but of course he couldn't say anything about it. Well, thank you, Ben. And if you'll send the bill for your shaving mug to the stage company, they'll probably take care of it for you. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Chester, spill some water on him. I want him to walk to jail. I'll bet Chuck Evans got clean away, Mr. Dillon. The word must have got to him. Well, he had to do it awful fast. The clerk said he checked out of the hotel less than ten minutes ago. Kelvin? The light must hurt his eyes. He never keeps a lantern burning. Afraid of fire, maybe. Kelvin? Are you there, Kelvin? Yes. What's wrong? Who is it? Matt Dillon. Oh. Strike a light. A man could fall over something in this stable and break his neck. All right, all right. I just don't get excited. I'm used to it myself. I know just where everything is and don't see any point in wasting oil when I... Now, what's on your mind, Marshal? Chuck Evans. Is his horse still here? Yes, indeed. It most certainly is. As a matter of fact, he's back there saddling up right now. Good. I told him it seemed like a full time of night to start out on a trip. I, you can't reason with anybody that treats horses the way that bunch does. No, I guess not. Wait. Well, go on, answer him. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yes? What is it? Give me a hand back here, will you? Tell him yes. All right. I'm coming. What's this all about, Marshal? Nothing to get yourself worked up about. Just stay right here and stay out of the way. Uh-huh. All right, Chester. Yes, sir. You've got a lantern back there at the stall. Yeah. Now, you were right about one thing, Chester. He's trying to leave, Tom. Give me a hand with this, Kelvin. I can't seem to get the... You going somewhere, Chuck? Now, look, look, Dylan. You got nothing on me. Lay off. The Parks boys are in jail. I don't know anything about it, Dylan. You can't prove a thing, and you can't shoot me. I'm not even wearing a gun. It, it, it's hanging there on the saddle horn. Yeah, so I see. If the other boys did something, I, I, I don't know anything about you're it. You're a liar, Chuck. And you're a coward. You've got no call to talk like Shut that. Shut up! Now, you're under arrest. Chester, get his gun off his saddle. Look out, Mr. Dillon. He's got another gun. I'll kill you, Dillon. Say, help me. You're scared, Chuck. You're too scared to shoot straight. Help me. Well, I guess that does it, Chester. Come on. What was it, Marshal? What happened? Evans is dead. The Parks boys are going to hang your short three customers, Kelvin. Well, who's going to pay the stable bill? The stable bill? Yeah. Oh, you got their horses, sell them. Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Well, it serves them right. Anybody that would treat a horse the way that bunch did, David. I guess it's over, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, it's over, Chester. And it's just as well. This country would be a lot better off with them fellas dead than alive. I guess so. Even the moon looks brighter. Yeah. Mr. Dillon, 
You're still thinking you should have jailed him on suspicion, aren't you? Oh, I'd have half a dodge in jail if I started that. No, Chester, it's the kind of a chance a lawman has to take. Yes, sir. Whether he likes it or not. Yes, sir. But I'm not liking it much right now. In the morning, I'm going to have a talk with the preacher about holding the service for Helen. That's about all I can do for her now. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Tom Tully, Paul Dubov, John Daner, Harry Bartell, and Louise Lewis. Parley Bear is Chester, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. More Godfrey. Yes, starting tomorrow on most of these same CBS radio stations, there will be more Arthur Godfrey and his gang, presented by CBS Radio for our Sunday listeners. Folks who are regular Arthur Godfrey fans know there's been a 30-minute roundup of Arthur Godfrey time Sundays at the Star's Address. But starting tomorrow, there'll be 30 minutes more with Arthur Godfrey and all the wonderful Arthur Godfrey gang. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, Lionel Barrymore is your host on the Sunday Night Playhouse on the CBS Radio Network. There's a fever in the mining country of Montana Territory. It's known as gold colic. Once a man catches it, it can only mean one thing. Life or death. Frontier Gentlemen.
Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall. Frontier Gentleman. Fort Benton under Missouri in Montana Territory is what you might call a clearinghouse for supplies. They are shipped by riverboat up the Missouri, food, clothing, guns, ammunition, whiskey, tobacco, and from Fort Benton on to the west and north by pack train and wagon. The post is also the point of debarkation for the tenderfoot, the inexperienced miner seeking the fabulous gold fields of the territories. It seemed a worthwhile spot to find a story for the London Times, and so on my arrival... I went to the office of the local newspaper, the Fort Benton Dispatch. The editor was an affable chap by the name of John Warren. He took me into his tiny office. London Times, eh? Sit down, Mr. Kendall. Thank you. Well, this must seem kind of like a tinhorn paper to you. Oh, not at all, Mr. Warren. As a matter of fact, uh, I rather envy you. My work depends entirely upon whether the editor likes my story or not. If he doesn't, I don't get paid. If he does, well, I'm, I'm in luck. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hope I can put you onto something good. That's very kind of you. Of course, the best thing you could do is to talk to some of the old-timers around. They've got a hundred stories. Well, first I wondered, has there been much gold found in this vicinity? Around Benton? No, most of it's north and southwest of here. Big strikes over to Virginia City and Bannock. Mind you, there's talk. Oh, you, you hear it around once in a while, the gold in these parts. But I never heard of anyone striking it rich. Most of the boys just pick up supplies here and try to get a grub stake to head on out to the mountains. I see. Well, didn't you ever try prospecting? Nope. Found a good wife, a pleasant way to live. I make out and I'm happy. Too many hill rats wasting their... The hill rats? Prospectors. Too many of them wasting their lives for that one big chance. I guess I'm not that much of a gambler. <laughs> Where would I be likely to find a chap like that, uh, um, a hill rat? Oh, betting's full of them. If you want a real old-timer... Go down and see Shorthorn Tom. <laughs> Shorthorn Tom? Yeah. Nobody knows his real name, and he's probably forgotten it himself. You'll find him down at the shack's end of the street here. Turn left. Yeah, his place is the first one on the left. Good. I'll call on him. And look, uh, don't let him talk you into grubstaking him. He's got a lot of crazy ideas about finding a lost mine. He's been at it for six years, they say. Well, I'll be careful. Say, uh, Mr. Kendall... Why don't you join me and the missus for dinner tonight? You'd sure be welcome. Well, that's very kind of you, Mr. Warren. Well, it's not every day we get to meet a traveled man like yourself. <laughs> uh, I'll see you later, Mr. Kendall. It wasn't hard to find Shorthorn Tom's place. I could have discovered it on a foggy London night by the smell alone. A ramshackle lean-to affair had the odor best described as rotting fermented cabbage, which a moment later I found emanated from the gentleman himself. The old prospector was the most unwashed individual I've ever come across in my life. Bleary-eyed, he greeted me at the sacking that passed for a door. Um, um, Shorthorn Tom? I wonder if I could have a few words with you. What's the matter, boy? 
You got the heaves? No, I... I don't believe so. <laughs> Sound like it. <laughs> you want words? Come on in. <clears throat> got me a mess of poops doing. <clears throat> Light and rest your saddle, mister. Ah. What's your business? Well, I'm writing about the territory for a newspaper, Tom. I thought possibly you might be able to give me some information. Ah, information? What kind of information? Oh, the life of a miner, for example. Your life. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm quite serious. <laughs> you want to pay for information? Oh, well, I hadn't exactly planned on it. Well, then I ain't got no medicine for you. <clears throat> Five dollars? Yeah, I'd see it. Oh, ain't you got no real money? Never did trust a bit of paper. I'm afraid that's it. Well, better than a sack of dingbats, I guess. <clears throat> you uh, want some pooch? Is that what you're cooking? Yeah, tomatoes, sugar, and bread. Lost my teeth a couple of weeks back. Can't eat nothing but... No, I, I don't think so. Thanks very much. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> well, you go ahead and ask what you want. I'll eat. <clears throat> I... Uh... Understand you've been mining in this country for some time. Oh, 20 here, more other places. Got the biggest strike a man ever sees six years back. Eh, but I lost it. Really? Well, I'd like to hear about that. No more than 20 miles from here, too. Except nobody believes it. But I heard there wasn't any gold to speak of here. You heard, you heard, you looked. Listen, mister. Oh, them's that tell you that don't know they're saddled from a prairie dog hole. <laughs> I'm a-telling you. There's diggings over in them mountains. The highwoods. I seen them. I know what's there. Gold. Five thousand a ton if it's worth a cent. Well, what happened to it? Well, <clears throat> me and a partner was prospecting in the highwoods. Got lost and caught in a blizzard. Sam. Sam, he was my partner. He went west. Wind blew him clean off the trail, about a thousand feet down. Well, <clears throat> I found a cave, see. I figured to stay put till the weather broke. And that's where I found it. Uh, in the cave? Right in the cave. Indian or Spanish diggings, I figure. Nuggets as big as your saddle. Well, go on. Well, that's all. I brought the nuggets back. <laughs> Had me some fun. And went back to work the mine, and I couldn't find it. Unbelievable. Sure, that's what they all say. Shorthorn Tom, biggest liar in Montana territory. Ain't nobody gonna give old Tom a grub steak to make them all look sick as a mule. But they must have known about the nuggets you found. Mister, a fellow who's in it rich is like to give away more than I took out of that cave. Oh, that's how they figure I got the gold. It was given to me. Quite a story. Yeah, ain't it? Now I'm between a rock and a hard place. Doing a job here and around to scrape up a dollar for grub. While up there, there's enough gold to buy me the whole dang town. When did you give up looking for it? When? <laughs> Mister, when you got gold colic like I got it, you just never give up. You sure you want to have some of this pooch? Mighty tasty. Uh, no, thank you. Yes, sir, yes. Yeah. Eight times I've been back looking till I run out of grub. But one of these days... Hey, you wouldn't be interested in uh, in going partners, would you? Oh, I don't think so. It's very kind of you to offer. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let me show you something. Uh, 
You, uh, you know what gold looks like? I've seen it. Yeah. Good Lord. That must be worth... 200, 250. Well, but couldn't you use this to buy what you need for another try? Could, but won't. If I spent this and didn't find the mine, <laughs> there'd be nothing left to prove what I know. Hmm. Well, it wouldn't cost more than a hundred dollars. Man could take one mule for packing. Pretty good outfit. Oh, I ain't saying the best, but it'd do. Only on twenty miles from here. And how about fifty dollars? No, 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 hundred. And you know what? I got a feeling. If a man wanted to put up a hundred dollars, this could be the lucky time. Oh, I've been feeling it for a week. The weather's good. This trip out, I'd find it. Well, Tom, uh, I have an idea. If for nothing else but the experience, it'd be worth it. <laughs> All right. Here. Fifty. Seventy. And ninety. One hundred. If you don't find it, I'll be in your shoes. Flat. Busted. Oh, mister. Hey, hey what's your name? Kendall. Well, Kendall, you got yourself a partner. <laughs> yes, sir, I'll take this here money and get us fixed up. We can leave right away. Bed out tonight. Oh, uh, where are you staying? No, I've got a room at the American Hotel. Meet you there in two hours. Oh, uh, Tom, mm, there's nothing personal, you understand, but I think a little security is indicated uh, in case of accidents. Oh, you figuring me to deal from the bottom? All right, I'll tell you what. Now, I'll give you the nugget, see? You trust me with your hundred, I trust you with my nugget. And if I don't show up in two hours ready to travel, you made yourself a profit. Fair enough. <laughs> Mister, you may not know it, but you're going to be one of the richest men in Montana. <laughs> or the poorest. I'll meet you at the hotel. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. When you hear CBS News, you're hearing the results of worldwide watchfulness that pays off in accurate reporting sped to your sets with minimum delay. CBS News has reporters in every corner of the world. By keeping your set tuned to CBS Radio, you not only get your favorite entertainment, but the regular news programs of the nation's best reporters, plus special bulletins whenever they are called for by CBS News. Make the Star's Address your listening post on the nation's most listened to programs and for the nation's most listened to news reports as well. And now we return you to Anthony Ellis' production of Frontier Gentlemen. I had left Shorthorn Tom at a general store to buy supplies. Precisely two hours later, the old prospector was outside my hotel, leading a scrawny-looking burrow, which looked as though it would momentarily collapse under the weight of its pack. It seemed that we were ready, except for one thing. Shorthorn Tom was blind, roaring, drunk. Here you are, fighter! <laughs> I'm all set and ready to go! <laughs> I had me a little scamper juice to kind of start things off right. <coughs> Here, here's your nugget, Tom. Oh, you're an honest man, Kendall. Come on, let's get going. Well, if it ain't my old pal, Shorthorn Tom. Who? Oh, Kendall. You see this suck-egg dog? Calls himself Willie Sanders. 
Worst no good son of a gun claim jumper. This or any other side of the Rockies. So you got yourself a grub steak, Tom. This uh, fellow you're playing for sucker? Sucker? Do you see this nugget, you river sniper? We're going to get more like it. You've been laughing at me and my gold in the Highwood Mountains, huh? Well, we'll see who's the sucker. No good varmint, I got a good mind. Uh, Tom! Tom. Ain't no good trying to rouse him, mister. He does it every time. Betty poured a whole bottle of whiskey in him. Get stiffer and aboard. He'll be like that for hours. Give me a hand with him, will you? I'll take him up to my room. They won't let that old buzzer in the hotel. I think they will. Come on. I had the boy take the burrow to the stable. Then together, Saunders and I carried old Tom into the hotel, up to my room, and put him down on the bed. He was snoring quite peacefully. My companion, Saunders, was not of the nicest type. Thick black brows growing in an almost straight line across his eyes and a cast in one eye which gave him an even more villainous appearance. As I put Tom's nugget in my pocket, I saw him give it a sidelong glance. You uh, believe that story of his? I have no doubt of it at all. Nobody else in Benton does. Well, that may well be their misfortune. Uh, Did he tell you where the mine is? He gave me a rough idea. Now, thanks very much for your help. Uh, You uh, grub-staked him, huh? I grub-staked him. Good afternoon, Mr. Sanders. You uh, really think there's a mine? My dear fellow, I can't see what earthly concern it is of yours, but yes, I think there is a mine. Uh, How about taking a couple more partners on, uh, me and a pal of mine? Not interested, thank you. Uh, He find that nugget up there? You heard him. Goodbye, Mr. Saunders. Tom. Tom. Two hours later, he was still asleep. I locked him in the room and went downstairs for dinner. The bill came to six dollars, leaving me with exactly two in my pocket and a growing doubt as to the wisdom of my investment. I was just about to get up to leave the table when I heard a voice behind me. Hi there, handsome. Yes, you. Uh, good evening. Mind if I join you? Why, no, not at all. Won't you sit down? I've been watching you from over there. You know what I said to myself? I said, there's a real lonesome man. A real lonesome man. So I come over to make you feel better. Oh, well, as a matter of fact, I'm in quite high spirits, really. That's swell. That's real swell. I'm glad. My, you've got a beautiful way of talking. Thank you. You're good-looking, too. Nice and tall and good-looking. Very kind of you. You know what I bet? Um, I haven't the remotest idea. I bet you're from the East and you're going to look for gold. And I bet you find it. What do you think of that? Extraordinary. I'm Alice. What's your name? J.B. Kendall. J.B.? What does that mean? Oh, just initials, you know, J.B. Everybody calls me J.B. I like that. It's strong. J.B. Would you like to go someplace quieter to talk, J.B.? Not particularly. You see, I have a friend upstairs in my room. Oh? No. You don't understand. A gentleman. Not feeling too well. I am sorry. 
Then if you like, we could go to my place. Charming thought, but not tonight. You don't like me. Well, to the contrary, I find you irresistible, but I must say I question your motives. Hmm? Run along, dear. Your friend Mr. Sanders is much too interested in our conversation. Sanders? Who's he? The gentleman behind the pillar. See? I saw you come in with him before. Uh, would you be good enough to give him a message? Just say, no partners. Good night. Shorthorn Tom didn't awaken until the next morning, and I marveled at his recuperative powers. He showed not the slightest effects of the night before. We collected our burrow and left Fort Benton at sunrise and started south toward the Highwood Mountains. Two days later, we were in the heart of the mountains. Tom was in excellent spirits. He seemed to know exactly where he was going. You see that gulch, bro? I swear I got sight of it before that doggone blizzard closed in six years back. Yes, sir, we're on the right trail this time. Do you mind stopping for a moment? Sure. I... I thought I heard something. Oh, man gets that way in the mountains. Here, a lot of things ain't really there. No, no, it sounded like horses. Oh, just echoes the old burrow, that's all. Uh. What's your real name, Tom? Oh, I ain't had none except Shorthorn Tom for so long I near forget sometimes. Eh, when I was a sprout, I, I had me some folks called Weatherly. It was a long time back, Kendall. What about Shorthorn? Where did you find that name? Never found it. It was given to me. That's what they called a tenderfoot down south a ways, and the name stuck. Hey, you got a handle, except uh, Kendall? Uh, J.B. J.B.? Um, Jeremy Bryan. Jeremy Bryan. Oh, partner, I'm sorry, mighty sorry. Man could get killed out here with a name like that. Uh, trail's getting narrower yonder. You better watch your step. It's a long drop down. Yeah. How much further from here? Oh, not much ways. It don't look like much, just a hole in the rock, but when you get inside, she opens up to a sizable cave. Look! Look, there she is! Come on! Well, it, it looks like a cave all right, but you said the opening was small. Oh, it's the one I tell you. You see inside. Come on now. I'll watch your step. I will. Watch it. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, I can't exactly recollect whether it was on this side or the other. Can you see any sign of diggings? No. Oh, might have been a fall covered it up. Okay, I'll use my pick here. You try where you are. We stayed there, working, digging at the solid walls of that cave for over three hours. Tom must have known it was hopeless, but he wouldn't give up. Only shouted words of encouragement to me and dug into seams the harder with his pick. Then quite suddenly he stopped. I turned and saw him lying on the other side of the cave. Uh, uh, Tom. Uh, Tom? Oh, a pain in my stuffings. Up to my chest. Ain't easy to breathe. Oh, here. Here. Lie on your back. There we are. Oh, that's better. Ah, 
I tell you, J.B., I tell you. Oh, it's a cold trail. I, I, I know that sometime back this ain't the place. Don't feel it. It just don't smell right. I was kidding myself. It, it ain't the place. Oh, that doesn't matter. No, I guess not. Not no more. Oh, here, you, you take this. What, what for? I don't want the nugget. I told you. It's worth 250 maybe. I won't need it now. I'm going up Salt River, partner. Uh, if you mean you're going to die, nonsense. Boy, one thing a man knows when he's old, buzzard bait like me, he knows when it's time to die. But listen, listen, you, you go on look and see. Them diggings is around here somewhere. Maybe further along the trail. Maybe there's another cave along a bit. No, 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 Tom. Tom, lie back. No, out of my way. Tom. I'm going to find Tom. it just along the trail. Tom! That old Tom, he sure had the gold colic bad, didn't he? He dead, Sanders? Sure he's dead. Don't you figure, mister? Yes. Me and my partner here, we come up to see how you was doing. Didn't find the mine, huh? No, we didn't find it. Well, there's still the nugget. I seen him give it to you. Hand it over, huh? Gentlemen, I feel rather sad about Tom's passing. Be good chaps and let well enough alone. You kidding with that talk? Oh, he's a dude. He can't help the way he talks. Hey, you give us the nugget, huh? <laughs> Now, both of you, get up. Up! Now, each of you take a pick. Start digging. We'll bury him here. You give me any argument, I'll shoot you on the spot. After Shorthorn Tom was buried... I took the horses belonging to Sanders and his friend and started back to Fort Benton. I had the idea the walk would do them good. After sending my story to the Times, I had a drink for old Tom, then packed to leave for Helena in Montana Territory. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Joe Kearns, Don Diamond, Virginia Gregg, and Herb Ellis. Music was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Now stay tuned for the Ford Road Show, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentleman. John Wall speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network.